Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. Weird News Edition number, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Let's give it a date. Yeah. Whenever the date this uploads. Okay. Well, my name is Carrie. I'm Dean. Hi, Dean. Hi. Why don't you start off? Because I think you have more weird news stories than I. Okay, I will. Okay. I think any listener of the show knows I'm a big fan of psychics. I think they're all real, legitimate, and a very important part of our lives. And there's no, obviously, there's no, I don't know, fraud involved in psychics of any sort whatsoever. Uh-oh. So I think we're going to be surprised to hear about this story that comes to us from Brazil <laughs> from late last year in 2022. Have you ever heard of... I guess Jean Bocchici? No. Oh, he was a famous Brazilian art collector and mm. dealer. I'm surprised I haven't heard of him. Based in Rio. I'm surprised you yeah. haven't either. You're, you're pretty tuned into the I Brazilian am. art scene. Mm-hmm. He founded one of Rio de Janeiro's first art galleries. He did this way back in 1961. He I was didn't married. Have art galleries before 1961? Uh, it says one of Rio's huh. first art galleries in 1961. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I that. need to brush up on my Rio history. I, again, thought you were fairly <laughs> plugged in, so I think you would have known that. A little embarrassed. So he married someone named Genevieve Bogici, and they gave birth to a daughter named Sabine Bogici. Okay. The daughter, it turns out, is, well, she was she's not a great daughter. Oh. So she was recently arrested. She's 48 years old. She was recently arrested because she basically scammed her 82-year-old mother out of an estimated $142 million of artwork, jewelry, and cold hard cash. Wow. It's equal to about 724 million reyes, which is the Brazilian currency. Yeah. Probably mispronouncing it. Sabine, again, the daughter, got a little crew together, I guess. And they were part of, I guess many of the crew were part of the Brazilian psychic scene. And so way back in January of 2020, Genevieve Bogici, the 82-year-old mother, I guess maybe 80 then or so, she was leaving a bank and some woman came up to her and said, hey, I'm a psychic and I've just, I've got a feeling, but I think your daughter, Sabine, is in big trouble and she's going to die soon. You're going to need my spiritual therapy and maybe we can save your daughter's life. Wow. And so Genevieve is like, what? Well, sure, come home with me. I don't know how believing <laughs> she was, but um, so uh, Genevieve, though, apparently did believe it because she began transferring money to the psychic to pay for her psychic therapy, therapy. to help her daughter not die. Crazy. Genevieve also visited uh, uh, several other psychics. I imagine probably steered to them by this original one because yeah. all of them were in on the scam. Yeah. There's about seven, I think, something like that. And, of course, shockingly, Sabine was just simply feeding them information. So they're wowing and amazing Genevieve mm-hmm. because they know a lot more than they should because, of course, they get that information from their daughter. That's called a hot reading, by the way. Remember we had an episode a while back about cold reading? Yeah. A hot reading is when you do no actual... Cold reading is when you're guessing the things, and, and it's it's an amazing technique in itself. Hot reading, obviously, is even more impressive. It's just that you've garnered the information somehow and it without the subject knowing about it. So it just got worse and worse and worse. And I guess it sounds like Genevieve finally started to become a little suspicious because then it started getting sort of physical and threatening. And her daughter was kind of almost like held her captive. Yeah. And we started forced her to stay home, kept her away from telephones, fired all the old staff and brought in new staff. They're they're very wealthy, obviously. Yeah. I'm assuming the dad had already died. He's dead, yeah. But still... As her mom became more suspicious, she started not feeding her and oh. withdrawing food from her. And at one point, according to testimony, she actually put a knife to her throat to, like, you know, shut up and continue to play ball. So, wow. and, and, and what she did is, you know, she, I think she kept her locked away in her room and she'd have her compatriots come in and just start stealing artwork off the wall. Taking, yeah. you know, because again, he was an art collector, he right. had tons of amazing artwork. And, the psychics in that who were co- talking to the mother would say, "Oh, that stuff's cursed. It's got a lot of negative energy. We have to pray over it and treat it with psychic therapy again, right. and make it all better, so yeah. I can stay in the house." 
They stole jewelry. They stole Rolex, Rolex watches. Uh, so again, it was hundreds of million, over $100 million. And finally, though, somehow, I don't know how, she got word and contacted the authorities and told them what's going on. And they made these arrests. I think two of the group are still at large at the time this was published, but they arrested the daughter. They arrested Good. most of her colleagues in crime, and they would be going to trial. Um, hopefully go to jail for a very, very long time. Yeah. One of those really awful, awful Brazilian jails, let's say, because other jails are like great. American jails are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, four stars. Uh-huh. So yeah, that is the story of the psychic scam of Brazil. That's why we don't have anything worth stealing. That's true. So our kids it's important. Don't turn on us. Because otherwise, <laughs> our kids might do that. I can, see our kids do- I can see our kids doing that to you later on. You'll be a little bit, I won't uh, fall for it. I'll I can see them doing it to you, not Nah, me. nah. I don't think so. So, off to you. Well, we've all heard of Cocaine Bear, right? <laughs> Who hasn't? Still so, want to see that maybe super bad. Do you? Yes. I don't. But uh, So, I'm sure you've also heard of the Cocaine Cat. Well, of course. <laughs> Who hasn't heard the Cocaine Cat? <laughs> uh, my favorite so far is the Cocaine Moose, but go ahead with your story about the Cocaine Cat. Well, this has recently become a known story, but it happened in January... One night in January, I don't know which one, around 2 a.m., a guy named Ray Anderson, who worked for Cincinnati Animal Care, gets a call. It's the middle of the night. It's like, you know, what's going on? Well, people were calling to say they spotted a leopard Mm. up in a tree Mm. in the Oakley neighborhood of Cincinnati. Sure. Beautiful neighborhood. Not familiar with Oakley. Never been to Cincinnati. And so, you know, he called his boss. They said, let's go. So there's a leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Those can kill people, yeah. as we know from episode. So they go to respond. They're able to to get this wild cat, capture it, bring it back into the Cincinnati Animal Care headquarters. And it turns out this is a wild cat, yep. but it was owned by somebody, and its name was Amory. Amory. Amory had escaped from his owner's car during a police stop. His owner's car. Uh-huh. It was like Karen the Cougar in the back of Bobby <laughs> Talladega. What was his name again? I can't remember his name, but on Talladega Nights. Yeah. And it turns out Amory is not a leopard. They brought him in for, to see if it needed medical care and also do a DNA test, yeah. which confirm, confirmed that he was a serval. Uh, much smaller than a leopard. But it's... It's a wild cat with long legs and big ears. Mm-hmm. They're native to sub-Saharan Africa, and they definitely are not legal to own in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also not man-eaters, potentially, like leopards are. So that was... I was wondering why you said he, they went and captured it up a tree, right? So, yeah. yeah that, a leopard, that would take some some doing. That'd be yeah. scary. You'd they have to dart it. Uh, nothing I heard said how they managed to capture it. Anyway, but it climbed, said here, Kitty Kitty had a dish of yeah. food, maybe. But also, since it had been living in this guy's apartment, it was used to people, and mm-hmm. so not truly a wild, wild animal. Well, still, they're you know. Oh yeah, scratch up. So somebody said who had experience with wild cats said that they would rather deal with some other big cat rather than a serval. Really, I don't know. Are they particularly? I, they're not. They don't weigh mean. very much. They're not. They're very skinny and yeah. Like, yeah, they're not. I don't. I don't think of them. Yeah. I mean, I would think a lynx or a bobcat would be much more dangerous than a serval. But what do I know? Bobcats are kind of small too, though. Bobcats are decent size and they're also thick and powerful. Yeah. Any? Well, I wouldn't want to come across any of the aforementioned cats. I would have a laser and I'd play with it, and make it jump off the wall. Sure, that's what I'd do. Anyway, when they brought him in, they tested him for drugs, which had become routine when they brought in like a more exotic. Animal that sounds in sad. Cincinnati, and you want to know why? Because it's going to be sad. Because <laughs> the year before, they'd brought in a capuchin monkey named Neo. <laughs> That's a good name. And Neo was acting a little wacky. He had the blue pill. And um, they actually seized that monkey from a Cincinnati home because a veterinarian had somehow managed to see videos of him you know, acting kind of strange oh. and believed that he had ingested Xanax and or cocaine. So some dickhead on TikTok with his monkey that he shouldn't have and just getting it high. And he's, he's 
Oh, what a I don't know about the TikTok. I angle, smell a TikTok asshole. Yeah, right who knows? Here. Which would be a dumb thing to do, right? But, That's how you get caught. Okay, <laughs> people videotape themselves committing crimes all the time. Well, so Neo did test positive for amphetamines. Had to undergo treatment for that. I don't know detox. So yeah, <laughs> but, you had to go to you had to ask you to do a thirty day rehab. But it was yeah. it was tasteful. It was well, expensive. now Neo is safely in an undisclosed location, Good. and the owner was indicted indicted on animal uh, cruelty charges. So anyway. That's why Ray Anderson said now it's standard protocol, unless it's an, uh, just a usual household pet. But <sighs> even household so, pets, if they're acting suspiciously, mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. will test them. That's your doggy on ketamine. Mm-hmm. Ketamine? How do you pronounce that? Ketamine. Ketamine. A- and Amory was extremely agitated when he was brought in, even you know, given what he had been through, they, they thought something was going on. They, actually, they, he did say they had to sedate him able to bring him into the serval the yeah yeah for sure and treat him and then then he was transported to the cincinnati zoo so uh he, so obviously they found cocaine yeah he's a coked out serval in the cat's system he was addicted it was a habit it was expensive too he was gambling too he was into the mob well, significantly they are investigating to see if he was intentionally given cocaine or if it was just environmental exposure. Well, how could they possibly know? Are they going to check his nasal passages if he has a dollar bill rolled up in his pocket? I would imagine it's involving the owner, but um, the owner has cooperated fully, relinquished his rights, you know, signed away his rights to the animal and even Mm. had to pay a bunch of money for his care. And now he's been um, transported to the Cincinnati Zoo. Did they find where he lives? Did they check his habitat out where he lived at the guy's house and he had like a mirror and a razor blade in his little hutch? Maybe they they haven't disclosed. I'm going to assume. Dean, it's an ongoing investigation. Wow, nobody can comment. If on they it. do find that, uh, it's suspicious. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been enough. The owner could have been really against it and trying to get him off it. There was an intervention coming up. They had scheduled it. That's why. Oh my God, he fled the intervention. That's why he was up a tree. Maybe this this. I'm, it's the cat's fault. It's personal responsibility we're talking here at this point. <laughs> sure. That's, I'm sorry, but that's just my personal belief. That's all. That's the story of the cocaine cat. Cocaine cat. Mm-hmm. Will that be a movie? Probably not. Not. Well. They take liberties like they did with Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I was going to say the actual Cocaine Bear story isn't. <laughs> cocaine Bear ravages the neighborhood. Kills seven people. <laughs> Next story comes to us from China. Did you know, I guess we got a lot of our pine nuts, key ingredient in pesto, <laughs> from China, apparently. From the mountains did, there. I they're they're actually that. Pine nuts are actually the nuts on pine cones. Yeah, which why don't we have plenty of pine I'm trees sure, in our I'm sure we do. neck of the woods. But they do a lot of pine nut harvesting in China as well. Okay. And that over the years, it has been extremely dangerous to harvest pine nuts because they tend to be, the best pine nuts tend to be on... Way up in the top on like newer cones, I guess, apparently. Okay. And so they tend to be toward the tops of these trees, pine uh-huh. trees, and, and which are typically in mountainous, rough terrain. So it's always been, you know, it's been difficult to harvest them. And farmers, for a long time, farmers would use ropes and like spiked boots, you know, so they climb yep. up, you have a rope around you, shinny up, spiky boots up, pull yourself up, spiky boots up, a long way to go. Yeah. But even that was dangerous. Apparently, dozens of farmers a year would plummet to their deaths. I don't know if they meant just in China with a story taking place or they meant globally. Everywhere, yeah. But, so I'm not sure, but still, people be dying getting those pineapples for your delicious pesto. Hope you feel uh, I love no, pesto. No, they need so. cranes with those bucket. Things. Well, they did that too, but those are difficult because they don't go all that high, and they're it needs flat, flat ground, and these pine trees oh, are in, in rough, true. mountainous ground, so they're very difficult, and they're also very expensive. So a lot yeah. of farmers just simply couldn't afford them. Sure. In fact, one in 2017, there was a story about how pine nut farmers were trying to train monkeys to go up and get the nuts for them. Oh, didn't work though. Because apparently the monkeys would get all that sticky resin, whatever that is, uh-huh. on on pine cones, would get on their fur, and they freaking hated it. Yeah, the monkeys had some sense, so you can get them to go up once to collect <laughs> pine nuts, and that was it. They would not go up again. They got nope. Mm-mm. I don't care how much you pay me. I'm yeah. not getting all that shit all over my fur again, bro. It's still considered very dangerous, but the safest way 
that they have developed to do this is by using balloons. So they would tie a balloon, they'd tether a balloon to the ground at an anchor point. Yeah. And they'd put like a little, um, you know, a little, what's the one, a little parachute, what's the word? <laughs> the little thing where people stand in. On a basket. The basket, there we go. Like a little metal basket is enough for two, two people very tightly. And so usually two people would go up, sometimes one, I'm sure. So you'd go up in this little basket to a helium balloon and tethered to the ground and you'd go up to high, I mean like 200 feet yeah. and start harvesting pine nuts in the, from the high pine cones there. Mm-hmm. Well, recently, again, I think the latter part of last year, 2022, a farmer in China only named who in the <laughs> media, I guess he's like, give, what's your name? Uh, he goes, mm, I don't think I want to give him my full name. He was harvesting pine nuts in, okay, in Heilongjiang province. Mm, okay. Badly done. And oh, actually, this, this balloons were filled with hydrogen, I guess, so they didn't care if they blew up. Okay. But he was in a hydrogen balloon, he was harvesting the pine nuts, and what do you think happened? He hmm. became an involuntary Larry the Lawn Chair when he oh. his balloon became suddenly oh, untethered from the tether down there. And I guess they're just going up. I don't know how high they were exactly, but the article I read said that there's two people in the thing with who there's another guy. That guy quickly jumped out from the basket before it got too high in the air. So it must have been relatively low yeah. when they realized it was untethered. Yeah. So he just goes, boom, I'm out, who? You're on your own, bro. Uh, you know, and who didn't uh, froze or maybe it... it quickly became too high yeah. and that thing just it's loose now it's up in the air yeah. he's in a basket where he can only stand up rising higher and higher into the sky above china oh no he was floating for all day all <laughs> night overnight until finally I guess the balloon floated over an area where they had some cell service. Yeah. <laughs> so rescues on the ground. I guess they were tracking him, trying to like, don't lose sight of him. Yeah. And they're finally able, he had a cell phone luckily, and they're finally able to call him and help him get him down from the sky. How do you think they did that? I don't know because you wouldn't want to poke a hole in the you balloon. You would not want to do that. You, you would want to gradually release the hydrogen, yeah. right? Well, yeah. apparently there is. A, a valve? A, a valve, a mechanism to gradually release the hydrogen. Clearly, who had not been trained and was, did not know I of this? I was going to say, that should be number one oh first day safety training. First thing, buckle this thing here. Yep. Tether the goddamn balloon here. And oh, and by the way, if you ever get untethered, here's the valve. Yeah. Nope, had no idea. So luckily, they were able to call him and they said, okay, here's what you do. And they instructed wow. him on how to slowly release hydrogen and gradually come down <laughs> to the ground. No worse for wear at all. He was perfectly healthy. He did his back hurt, his lower back hurt, because he had been standing for like a day. Yeah. Otherwise, he was fine. Huh. It's probably pretty chilly up there, I'd imagine. Yeah. Up at, up, I mean, it's in the mountains. I think it was like late last summer, so it didn't get freezing cold. But he, I mean, he could have gone hypothermic yeah. for sure. But uh, or yeah, but it's the hypothermic. Hi- but cold. the higher you are, the colder it is. The whole so. exactly. So I, I, I get the sense it didn't go crazy high. And yeah. again, I also get the sense that they had him in sight yeah. and were following him. And then okay, I think anybody get any bars? Okay, okay, <laughs> we got one bar. Call him. Tell them there's a valve. Okay. Wow. <laughs> He'd be pissed too. I'd be pissed. Wait, so you didn't tell me about the valve yeah. until I was almost dying. Okay, whatever, bro. So that's the story of China's lawn chair, Larry, as I'm, I'm doing yeah. a little harking back, if people don't know, of a guy who intentionally lifted himself. Yeah. He was accidental. The guy, lawn chair, Larry, intentionally went yeah. high into the sky in a lawn chair with balloons. This yeah. one was a little different. Hmm. Had a better plan, too. He just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Lawn chair Larry had no plan how to get down. Oh, wait, yes, he did. He used to be begun to shoot some of the balloons yeah. because he was an idiot. Okay. All right. That's my story. What you got for us now, player? I'm going to tell you a story about a, a nice lady named Karen Green. Mm, that's a problematic name. I know. First of all, Karen, and then just Karen Green. That She's sounds nice even lady. more Karen than normal. Well, 
In 2007, she got a new job, and her coworkers liked her so much really? from the old job. You know, before she left, they wanted to all pitch in and get her a nice gift. And what was brand new technology in 2007? 2007? Um, I mentioned to you. iPhone. Yes. iPhone. Okay. iPhones were brand new, so they thought, let's get Karen the newest in smartphone technology. Well, it was the first smartphone, smartphone ever, right? Uh, yeah. So that's a pretty nice gift. That's a great gift. So they all pitched they in. Cost, well, I was going to say they cost more than they do now, but they cost ridiculous now, yeah. so maybe not. They gave her the new iPhone. Obviously, people were lining up to get them. But Karen Sheeple. wasn't really one of those people. Not a big iPhone fan? Well, she had just upgraded her non-smartphone. Nokia. Oh, Blackberry. And didn't want to get rid of it so soon. And she also didn't want to have to switch from Verizon to AT&T. <laughs> so she decided, I'm just going to set this aside, not worry about so it. So she got the iPhone, but she didn't use it. Yes. Okay. And she left it. She never unboxed it. Wow. In fact, it's in the original box with the cellophane and everything. She just stuck it in a cabinet, forgot about it. And as years went by, she started to think, oh, hey, you know, maybe iPhones are still popular. Maybe somebody's going to be interested in this. But she waited and waited, and in 2019, so 12 years after she got it, she went on a show, I don't know where she lives, but she went on a show called Doctor and the Diva, and it was the second time they'd had Treasure Hunt Tuesday. Wait, what is Doctor and the Diva? It's like a, it's like a, it seems like it's a local news show or something. Oh, where, where is this at again? I don't know. Where she lived? I don't know where she lived. You would think, okay. So anyway... It's called Treasure Hunt Tuesday. Sounds like a New Jersey local public access television show <laughs> to me. I'm just throwing that out. Could be. With an antiques appraiser named Dr. Lori. Okay. <laughs> he has and a diva sidekick? She, no, she's a guest. She's oh, not the doctor okay. or the diva. Oh, okay. She's a guest for Treasure Hunt Tuesday, where they have viewers come in and bring their treasure, and then she appraises it and tells them how much it's worth. Okay. So that's what Karen wanted to find out. In 2019, how much is her mint condition? 2007, first generation. It was the, the higher level, the eight gigabyte phone. And so the, the doctor and the diva like have their little whiteboards and they you know say what they thought it would be worth today. And they have the audience oh yelling out, $3,000, $2,000. <laughs> $17. And so the diva, who I'm assuming, the one that I'm assuming was the diva, yeah. her guess was $503. Okay, well, it was worth more than that in 2007. <laughs> I mean, they re retailed at $599. Did they really? In 2007. So they are more now, which should not They're happen in technology. More Much more now. And uh, the doctor, he estimated $1,500. And then Dr. Lori. The PhD antiques appraiser, she said it would probably go for about five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. In I would guess a significant amount of money. So you know, everybody applauded and and Karen left, but she didn't turn right around and sell her iPhone for five thousand dollars. She decided this year that she would finally give up her iPhone. And it, she gave it to somebody to do like an online auction, and it sold for. Give me a guesstimate. Um, sixty-three million dollars. You're dumb. <laughs> but that's an amazing guess. Is it really? Because it sold for sixty-three thousand three hundred and fifty-six dollars and forty cents. Could I be a Brazilian psychic, but a real one? <laughs> More than sixty three thousand bucks for an old ass. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, but not that old. You know what I mean? Yeah, but fifteen still, years first, old, not the very first one. That's what it was. Okay. It was because it was the very first one, brand new in the box, never been touched, never been opened, yeah. still had the cellophane wrapping around God. it. That's why. And there are so many people in Silicon Valley with more money than they ever deserved. Yes. And somebody in the United States the, uh, is I, who I, won uh, it. It's some tech dish yeah. bag for sure. I guess there was also a model that didn't have a camera. That, that was had a, a camera back then? It was a, the one had there, they had two. One was four gigabytes hmm. with no camera. The one that she got was the higher one, which was 
eight gigabytes and a two megapixel camera. Two mega is that not good? I don't <laughs> no, know. It's not good. Okay. If you stop and think about it, there is really no reason to ever put cameras in cell phones. If you stop if you really think about it, it's weird that that yeah. our cameras be our cell phones became our cameras. Yeah. It's it's odd. Yeah. And not not mm-hmm. just that, but of course now very, very good cameras and they become a, a yeah. primary selling point. Yeah. So anyway, it was a Louisiana-based auction house called LCG Auctions, mm-hmm. and they specialize in like pop culture-y kind of oh, stuff. That's... And they knew it was going to be a hot ticket item for collectors and investors because it, quote, presents magnificently showcasing sharp corners, oh, front and back, rich color, and, quote, case you know, fresh features. You don't even need that stupid <laughs> verbiage. You just tell people this is an unopened 2007 iPhone you're going to get. You don't need the lame bad ad writing crap. Yeah. Well, the bidding started at $2,500. Wow. And, and it, that's, I honestly, I would have really guessed many thousands of dollars. Yeah. I would have not 63, but many, many thousands. Yeah. Of dollars. I would not have started at 2,500. I started a lot more than that. Well, there were 10 bidders competing for it and it went on for 27 rounds Jeez. and ultimately going to, to some person in the United States. So that person was not there in person. Correct. Okay. The previously high selling, you know, first edition iPhones had gone for at other auctions. One went for $35,414 last August, mm. and then another one for $39,339. Okay. So why did they start at 2500 then? Cuz that's how auctions work. I know, but it started at 2500. They usually try to start somewhere, you know, not crazy below where they're going to end up at. They start low because they want people to that think they're, they're getting something great. And there's a reserve, usually. I'm sure there is. So it's not going to probably, you know, yeah. I don't know. Okay. So the reserve may have been, if, judging by those prior purchases, the reserve may have been 40000 bucks yeah. or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who gets to set the Which reserve. Which seems weird. You waste the time going from twenty five hundred to 40000 if it really is. That's the fun of an auction, Dean. Oh, okay. Well, so Karen, thirty. <laughs> Karen was super happy. Yeah, that she didn't sell that thing for five thousand dollars four years earlier. Yeah, hell yeah! And she said that she finally decided it was time to sell her iPhone because she needed the money for her recently opened cosmetic tattoo business. Okay. <laughs> cosmetic tattoo? Cosmetic I mean, is she taking tattoo. tattoos off people? Uh, either that or. Or, or maybe, a tattoo that looks like a like a band aid. Oh, or like eyeliner tattoo or something like that, where you have like forever print. Could be, okay. yeah. Uh, eyeliner, like, eyebrows, red and cheeks, mm-hmm. lip gloss, gloss. Is that a thing? Mm, I don't know. If you're weird, you could maybe tattoo lip liner. I think she God, might. Could if you imagine not, how painful? I that think could we should be. do it. It could also be for like. Um, People who had mastectomies because they would uh, sometimes they tattoo on nipples and oh really you know or uh, they could tattoo over scars although I think yeah I was that gonna say yeah painful. tattoo a scar or turn it into like an even more severe scar so people yeah so either mm-hmm. she's just tattooing eyebrows on people or she's really improving people's lives one of the two or maybe both maybe. Well, good for Karen. Yeah. A good Karen, maybe. You still haven't established that she's a good Karen. She may be a Karen Karen. She is a good Karen. I watched the video on um, YouTube of her at the Doctor and the Diva show. Good vibe. She seemed like a really nice person. I tried to look up Doctor and the Diva, and I can't. Even on IMDb, it doesn't say what it's on, if it's on, what channel it's on. (laughs) It's just some guy wearing scrubs like a doctor. Okay, bro. No. This one is. The picture had a guy in scrubs. With From a Doctor stethoscope, and the Diva? yeah, oh. a stethoscope, and the Diva was some idle American idol, you know, loser. Oh, then that's something else. It was said Doctor and the Diva. I don't think there's going to be a lot of doctors in the Divas. You don't? I think they've had various hosts over the years. Possibly, I don't. I, know. It might just be a YouTube thing. I don't yeah. even know. Or a New Jersey Public Access TV station <laughs> show. I'm not sure. Well, thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. I do have a news item that goes with this, but I'm. Wait, is this one going to be in America or is it yes. another international one? It's in America. Why? <laughs> Just going to say because you're doing the international. Oh, well, stories, I do the domestic. This one is going to end up in America, but it's going to start out with, with mostly international. Okay, so okay. I'm going to start you with a little taste or a little little of, of weird names, strange names, and again, I promise I will end up with a relatively current news story. Okay, but there's some strange names throughout the world. 
And I found one. I can't remember what publication is. A list of some of the weirdest names. Oh, thrilllist.com. Never heard of it. Thrillist, it's called. You've heard of it? Yeah. Thrillist? Okay, I haven't. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's well done. They have like 14 funky names. So this list is from Thrillist. Thrillist? Yeah. I like Thrillist. Yeah. I like to sort of just put it in an implied space okay. there. That's just how I do it. So the number 14 is Bumpus, Virginia, spelled Bumpass, oh. Virginia. Of course, named after some guy named Jack Bumpass, and so. But it, I thought you were talking about people names. Not now. These are these names. are so so place names. Okay. Weird place names from the world, and then I'll get to the okay. story of why it's it's a it's a, a recent story. The, the next one I've heard of Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Of course, a, a classic. Everybody likes to go. Welcome to Intercourse, <laughs> and it's in Lancaster County, which is. Amish country. Yes. That's the heart of Amish country, which is hilarious that they name a, a town intercourse. And it's, by the way, it's only about 10 miles from Blue Ball, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the next one I've never heard of. And I, it's amazing. I see a sign. They have a picture of a sign. It's a town called fucking Austria. Ooh. I mean, it's probably Fulking yeah. Austria, but it's fucking and Austria. It, and it doesn't mean spelled like that. the same thing. The big old road sign saying yeah. fucking <laughs> so it's even more on the nose than Intercourse, Pennsylvania. It's, it's tiny. It's like 100 people live there. And they got so... People, Americans, were going there and stealing the signs. Oh, my god! So they finally got so sick of it. In 2004, they were going to vote for a name change. But the name change said, no, let's keep our name. The stupid goddamn American tourists aren't yeah. going to make us change our name. So they kept their name. Instead, they spent the, enough money to... Use like a, um, I guess they have the sign is cemented or with steel or something like that yeah. into the ground, so you're not gonna be able to steal it anymore. You, also, you bastards have a little shop there selling the That's signs. That's a great idea. That's genius. What kind of bastard would come and just steal someone's sign and like put it in the back of their truck and I drive don't know. away? I can't imagine why somebody would do something. Monsters like that. would be only monsters <laughs> do that. The next one come, we go back to Pennsylvania and we have a little town named Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> seems like it should be reversed. That should be a, a Cotswolds little village name or something. It's not too far from Punxsutawney, where the infamous rodent lives, Punxsutawney Phil, mm -hmm. the uh, groundhog. Number 10 on the list that they're counting back down is another one I think I've heard of this as well. It's called Hell Norway, which. Mm -hmm. Again, that's it's Norwegian. Yeah. It doesn't hell doesn't mean hell there. It's from an yeah. old Norse word, healer, which means overhang. So I guess there's an overhang nearby. And but if you uh, get sunburned in hell, would you have be would it be said that you were you burned in hell? I don't know. Yeah. I mean you could. <laughs> Number nine is now this is is English. It's an English speaking country. It's in Canada. The town is named Dildo. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a town of Dildo in Canada. So, and it didn't get its name. Quote, his from Wikipedia says, it got its name from the phallus-shaped pin stuck in the edging of a rowboat to act as a pivot for the oar. That's called a dildo. Oh, okay. And what did they manufacture those I in don't know. dildo or something? <laughs> um, I don't know. Hey, let's name our town after that pin in the rowboat. No sense. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> <laughs> dildo, um, um, the TripAdvisor has like a link, I guess, that's dildo vacations or something like that. <laughs> you gotta be really careful if you're doing that at work. I'm just, no, I swear to God, this is for a vacation. I'm not shopping. The uh, number eight one, I'm not gonna try to pronounce it, is that town in Wales that's like 65 oh. letters long, is, you know, unfair, blah, 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 all Y's and L's and double L's. It's, no, it's, this is when we need Jack, because Jack probably, he would knows probably it, and he probably can flawlessly it. said, yeah. Oh, you mean the love process? I'm going to go back up, go, 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 go. So uh, it's 63 characters long, and I. It, I, I mean, I think you can Google it, can't you? I'm Maybe not going to say it. You translate. can Google it if you want to no, do it. No, do translate. You can Google translate? You, are you going make to it, make it say something right now? Go for it. Shall we pause? Oh, wait. Hold on. I have it. Okay. I take that back. There's no way Jack knows that one. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's, how, that's from YouTube. Or not even from YouTube. It's from, from something. That's how you pronounce that town that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Go, go, go is, by the way, G-O-G-O-G-O-C-H. Uh, -O 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 we're going to leave out the C-H pronunciation at the hmm. end. There's a go, That's go, go. go, go, go. Or Maybe. 
Well, if that, that guy didn't, that guy messed it up. <laughs> so we stay not too far in the area there. We go to Scotland, another part of Great Britain, where we go to not one, but two places named Twat. <laughs> Scotland. There's one on the Orkney Islands and one on the Shetland Islands. And no one's quite completely sure where the name comes from, but it's a great name, let's be honest. Dildo and Twat are probably sister cities, I assume. Yeah. Middle Fart Denmark is obvious, rather childish, but again, it's <laughs> Danish, but it's still funny, I'm sure, to Americans. I'm sure the, the main thing you do in Middle Fart is you go there. And you get a picture of you pointing at yeah. the uh, name Middle Fart on the town. The next one that also be a sister city with twat and dildo is Muff Ireland. <laughs> 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 That's a great name. They even have an annual Muff Festival. <laughs> Which is? It's not what you think. They just have a good time. I'm sure they have beer. I'm oh, sure they have. It's just a Muff Festival. Yes, the name is Muff. Muff isn't a thing. No, it's like a city. I- it's the same. It's the okay. same city. You got Carrie. Don't be gross. Well, I was thinking like baked goods, Dean. Is this because you won't want to be named the Muff Queen in the, <laughs> the Muff Fest Festival? Because they do I, have that. I might want to be. They have a, a, a lorry polling competition. That's true. Okay. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's how you become Muff Queen or not. A truck. Be, yes, I know so, what a lorry is. Okay. So they're probably tr- pulling trucks. Yeah. But is that, are the Muff Queens going to be pulling trucks? I don't know. I doubt it. There might be other. Ways to become Muff Queen. Mm -hmm. This one's not that great. Hump Tulips, Washington? Whatever. People don't hump tulips. That's fine, (laughs) I guess. It's it's in Western Washington, and it's it's got its name from a Native American phrase that means, quote, hard to pull, which seems like you're exacerbating the problem there. Hard to pull, they think, because it was tough to put your canoes in there along the river or something like that, but mm, I'm not positive. Okay. Kitty Hill, England is a well-known town. Yeah. It's it's near Wetwang and Shitterton. <laughs> <laughs> but another back to America is in Ohio. It's called PP Township. And that is from initials. Some yes. guy was PP something. So yeah. they named it PP Town and PP River is nearby. It's in Pike County. <laughs> so that's not obvious. And number one is Anus France. Oh, so I'm Lord. sure it's pronounced Anu yeah. or something like that, but still, it is A N U S. Anus France, a beautiful little town out in the French countryside with nothing going. It's in Burgundy area, which the only thing it has going for it is a little sign on the way in that says Anus. And you can, again, <laughs> take a picture and move on. So, we in the US have another place that was named something that really wasn't funny kind of quite the opposite, and yet kept this name for a century, including many, many decades, long after you think someone would have thought we should change that name until someone finally did last year in 2022. And that's in the Umpqua National Forest in Oregon, okay, where they had a little thing, a little 4,197-foot-tall mountain they called Swastika. Oh. And it was named Swastika in the early... 1900s, no one's really, and for some reason, even after the swastika became associated with Nazism, it retained its name. There's a thing called. Is there a reason they named it that? It was named after, um, it was named after, I think I do have that. Swastika is Sanskrit, and it means well being. It's an old, it's an ancient, ancient symbol. And it's been in lots of religions over the, over the years. But it's and that same symbol? It's the same symbol, okay. yeah. And it was... Damn I, I think what happened is that the uh, Schillman, Heinrich Schillman, who was the German who excavated Troy in Turkey, found a swastika there and, and kind of turned into like a, almost a German Aryan kind of thing, which is ridiculous well, since yeah. those people were, oh, I don't know, Turkish yeah. or, or, you know, whatever. They sure as hell weren't German. And it be, but it was it was a, a well known symbol in the you know 1900s and in 20th century. It actually had advertisements for Coca Cola used that symbol. Oh, yeah. It was had some things associated with the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. And there was even in World War One, there was members of an American infantry division, American mind you, yeah. used the swastika as their symbol in World War One. It wasn't wow. until 1920 that it was adopted by the Nazi Party in Germany as yeah. their symbol. 
and th- there was something. It was, I, I can't remember, there was like a local rancher or something like that, like the symbol, and it was named that like in the early 1900s, like very early 1900s. Yeah. So it had nothing to do whatsoever, pre-Nazis uh, ruining a perfectly yeah. good symbol and name. But still, it's weird that nothing would have happened to, you know, uh, um, to change that, just yeah. no one noted. Like the, I guess there's a group called the, where is it? The Oregon Geographic Names Board. They actually name place name yeah. things, lakes, rivers, mountains, officially. It's a volunteer board. But when uh, the guy there, he said, nah, you know, good idea. Let's change it. I had no idea. This woman named Joyce McLean, just a little while ago, she was reading a news story, a little news story about two hikers that had become lost and were rescued on Swastika Mountain. And she's going, what now? Yeah. So she looked it up and she goes, yeah, it is called Swastika Mountain. So she alerted the board to that. They said, good call. Our next naming thing, they said. And she um, thought, hey, let's rename it uh, Umpqua Mountain for the right. the, man, the mountains it's in. But someone else said, you know what? There was a well-known uh, chief of the Yankala Kalapuya tribe who lived nearby, and his name was Chief Halito. So I think we should name it Mount Halo. And everybody said, good idea, let's do that. Why it's not Mount Halito, I don't exactly. know. So you change the name? That's a little confusing to me, too, yeah. So it's going to likely be, and this story is from late last year, it may also be already be renamed Mount Halo. It's yeah. sort of been proposed. It's in the, I'm sure they'll talk it to death, but it's going to be Mount Halo, no huh. longer Mount Swastika. So that's we won't nice. have, yeah, that's very nice. I actually like the name Mount Halo, but I would rather it have the chief's actual name. Me too, me too. Do you, oh, any more? Well. Do you have any more for nope, us? No, that's it. Okay, I have one more. Oh. This is very different. It's about aliens. And oh, the shocker. fact that, well, <laughs> aliens here on Earth can be not, they're not just trying to do terrible things to us with probes. They're not just trying to take us over and or destroy us. They're also sometimes protecting us. Oh. And they're in the towns of the cities of Madero, and Tampico in Mexico on the uh-huh. Gulf Coast of Mexico are in fact protected by an alien base in the ocean just off those cities called Amupoc. Uh-huh. And it steers any hurricanes and violent storms away from the coast of nice. Madero and Tampico, huh. which is nice. So back in Tropical Storm Carl, I think that was, I think it was just last year. It bore down on Tampico in, the, in this part of the coast of, of Mexico. And a local named Beatrice Garcia, she's a 71-year-old local, she said, I immediately said, they, they, the aliens, are going to protect us. And this is what I believe and trust, and that they exist, that they're in, that there is a base, end quote. It does turn out that for over 50 years, there have been no major hurricanes that have hit that stretch of coast along Mexico's Gulf Coast, along okay, where Tampico but- and Madera are. We'll get to the okay. possible reasons in a okay. second, but nothing. It's been fifty years, and um, I mean, how many did they get fifty years ago? They they used to get hurricanes regularly. before that. They, I I don't know how regularly, but okay. they certainly had hurricanes that did some some significant damage. Okay. So again, they think this is this base called Amupak is somewhere in the ocean. I'm sure they it's cloaked. Yeah. I imagine just off. So it is, is, I'm not sure if they're protecting because they like the people there. Or they're protecting their own base, so right. they use their alien technology to yeah. steer away hurricanes. But it's become to the point where it's like a, a big part of the economy now. They really? have festivals, they sell lots of things. There's lots of tourists who come there. You know, pro UFO mm-hmm. enthusiast tourists who come there to see this. It's almost like like sounds like Roswell yeah. or Pahrump, Nevada, about Area 51 or something so like that. So they come to see something that you can't see. You can't see, but just to be near a base okay. is pretty cool. And, they, sure. and when they're there, they buy they buy a lot of, of, uh-huh. of some little souvenirs and things mm-hmm. like that. In fact, the the beach is kind of be called Playa Protegida, which means protected beach. And so you can get like a t-shirt with a flying saucer and, and that on it and things like that. So, and so they did. There was a, um, in both in 1955 and 1966, major hurricanes hit the part of the coast and did significant damage. Mm-hmm. And then according to Garcia, she's the 71-year-old believer, she said that, in 1967, she saw, and so did others, a bunch of UFOs, a bunch of kind of, I guess, something in the sky that was like planes, or but not planes. She said, quote, but they couldn't be planes because of how they manifested, and even the formation don't do that. 
They were slow and there are lots of them, end quote. I don't 100 million percent know what that means. Yeah. But it sounds like she thought it couldn't be planes. So, so yeah. she and many others. And, and there was. There, there was an article. Well, especially planes in 1967. Well. Different technology yes, even then. that's true. You know. But there's an article in the local paper that El Sol de Tampico, the son of Tampico, the mm-hmm. Tampico son, good name mm-hmm. for a paper. They had a story about how yeah, there were, quote, thousands of inhabitants, end quote, witnessed this, some kind of aerial phenomena uh-huh. up in the sky. And even the local airport control tower counted nine unidentified objects that that person couldn't explain. So there was some kind of this, this 1967 event, now more than 50 years ago, and they, since that time, the, again, the last major hurricane that struck was 1966. Yeah. So they, the, the idea, I guess UFOs are called OVNI, O-V-N-I, is pronounced OVNI in Mexico. And there's a major, there's a major UFO culture in, mm-hmm. in Mexico. And they, um, a guy named Juan Carlos Ramon Lopez, he founded a group, a, a UFO group in Mexico. And he's, he's kind of well known there for a UFO person, authority. I, I suppose he's a big believer in Amupak. He said he's. I think he's. He, he said he's seen it. He uh, he visited back in 2013. He did that through guided meditation, obviously, oh, through like sure. an astral projection kind uh-huh. of a thing in July of 2013. But he said it is quote intraterrestrial and multidimensional. Th- those are great words. Oh. In this context, it's not clear what they mean. Those are great words. So. Intra it means inside the earth. I'm not sure. I would think are between the earth. So not sure what he means by yeah. that. Multidimensional. I don't know. So it exists in various multiverses. I'm not sure. Maybe. Well, maybe that means it's from another universe. Yeah, and could be a parallel universe. Oh, I see. And not, it just sort of, it, but, but could also can manifest itself here in our yeah. earth. Not po- You know, maybe not from outer space. Is gotcha. what I take. Okay, That's I see. Mean. I think you're right. I bet you're right. But he is a UFO enthusiast, so that's weird. Well, uh, it would still be a UFO. UFOs don't have to be from I guess space, if they have right? things that fly. Well, it's weird because there was a UFO, you know, that heralded this. I guess yeah. that was them coming to Earth. See, that implies that's them coming to Earth and building their base as opposed to sort of manifesting in this dimension. Yeah. I don't know. I think they should get this story straight. Pick one. That's all Maybe I'm saying. Maybe their aircraft. Why? Transversed universes. We've got to work out the details. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but me. when he astral projected there, he said, yeah, it has to be aliens are, are, multi, are intraterrestrials because the, all the buildings were made of crystal oh, and some nice. metals. And the people, the creatures were 10 feet tall, thin, light-skinned beings who had a more evolved consciousness with mm. energy ra- radiating throughout the place. So... Sounds like he got a good time, and he was a, a fan. <laughs> Quote from Lopez. The information that I received in this place is that they are monitoring this stage of this planet. And, well, for me in particular, I can deduce that they are psychologists, scientists who are connected in this reality, but they live in the space of no time. End okay. quote. <laughs> okay. So he was really high. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, if they if you live in the space of no time, that's interesting. They yeah. can, actually, people are starting to find out that time is weird. I was going to say, I had a story about time, Did too. Did you? Yeah. So there's been lots of sightings of their apparent craft for a while now. And it's about, by the way, just for it's about 300 miles south of the Texas border, again, along the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, one um, enthusiast there, he says he believes that I believe that more than protecting us is also that they are protecting themselves. So again, there are some sure. people who think, okay, well, yeah. it's this, this here. The um, it's weird too because this what's grown into this big tourist attraction kind of celebration started out as a joke. In fact, a joke at the expense of these towns, like making fun of them. Yeah. So somebody, there's kind of a practical joke to mock them, where a media personality uh, from a, a nearby state, Nuevo León organized an event, and he called it El Dia del Marciano, Martian Day. And he did this in October of 2013. It was meant to embarrass them, but he had, they got pictures of like some city officials wearing, you know, these T-shirts with the aliens on it and things like that, and they were really embarrassed. It went viral. They, you know, said, no, 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 no. That was just, we were just yeah. having fun. We have nothing to do with this. We don't believe this. But then since then, the local UFO enthusiasts like, like Lopez have 
embraced it uh-huh. and made it into this big day. And it's been bur- uh, burgeoning in popularity and they're getting more and more tourists. And it's become, uh, like I say, an important part of their local economy. Yeah. Not everyone thinks there's Amupak out there, that um, there is an explanation for this. That is, there's cold water. The water along there has gotten colder, oddly enough, despite global warming. It's got, and that is sort of a little microclimate, apparently. And the water has gotten colder. And they think what that happens is sort of naturally steers to the north and south. It steers hurricanes that are coming there into north and south because hurricanes grow and they tend to follow warmer water and they grow faster under warmer water. So they think it's just a water temperature. Scientific, I guess. But why is the explanation? Water colder? Could maybe it's colder because so. of the base. Maybe so. Maybe that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, they other people doing. think, okay, no, it's magical, but it's not aliens or interterrestrials. You know who it is? Oh, the Virgin Mary. Oh, because sure. back at the same time, back in 1967, when the the aliens apparently came. Uh huh. The story is that some people also built a monument to the Virgin del Carmen the patron saint of sailors and fishermen. So I guess not the Virgin Mary, right. a different virgin. There, there's many virgins. Well, she's a saint. She doesn't she have is. to be a virgin. Well, they call her the Virgin del Carmen, so oh, I'm assuming okay. that she was a virgin, sure. or at least claimed to be. And a lot of more religious people in the area say, no, 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 that's who's protecting it is the Virgin del Carmen, not these Amupak-based aliens. People are voting with their feet, and... The alien one is way more popular. Yes. No one's talking about the virgin thing, but the alien celebration, the Amupak base interterrestrial celebration has become has become huge over these last few years. We're going to put that on the world world bucket visit list with Wheeling, West Virginia, and many, many okay. other places, because I would like to go see that. Okay. You up for it? Sure. Let's go down. Let's not go down until they stop killing people. Yeah. Then we'll go down. And, and visit uh, this area. I'm sure it's a lovely area, but the way they're, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So that is the story of the towns in Mexico that are protected by an alien base off their coastline. Interesting. Yeah. Right up your alley. It is right up my alley. Yeah. I, I hope it's true. I want to go see these crystal and metal buildings of these people who live in no time. I don't think you're capable. I can astral project. I'll, I'll work on it. Oh, yeah. So that's it for weird news, number whatever it is that we don't know. Hope you enjoyed those. If you have any other ideas, tell us. If you have any comments on these ones, tell us, especially if you were the person who bought that iPhone for (laughs) $63,000. Yeah. And what are you going to do with it? I I don't think it works too well. (laughs) No. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. No no problem at all. Oh, me. You're not talking to me. Okay. (laughs) You You have to listen to me sometimes. All right. See you.